Enthusiasm episode 86. Happy New Year. So in this episode, I'm going to pitch a game that I finished, or I finished the beta of. It's called Stormhack. It does have literary aspirations being a sort of uh, a method of running old Chaosium Stormbringer scenario set in the Young Kingdoms with a more up-to-date, faster more fun system. It started as a sort of fantasy version of a completely different game, which was a science fiction game. Um, and then it became a more generic fantasy game based on the uh, on the end of the fantasy spectrum that is kind of the more energetic Michael Moorcock, Robert E. Howard, Fritz Lieber end of you know, Sorcerers and Sorcery. Um, but then finally, in, the, in, in this iteration, it's a game for specifically playing in the Young Kingdoms. And the high concept is, uh, as I said, it's designed to play old Stormbringer scenarios from Chaosium and other past Young Kingdom RPGs. You know, there are a few others of those. Um, it's an OSR game, and but it's very directly inspired by the very first edition of Stormbringer, you know, the one with the really sexy Frank Brunner cover. Um, although it's worth noting that the, the system doesn't really change for the first three editions, but that's by the by. Now, many of the moving parts are designed to be as close to, I guess, what I would call baseline OSR expectations as possible. Um, so there are six ability scores. The monster stat blocks are portable from other OSR things. So, you know, armor class, hit points, hit dice, that sort of thing. Um, there is a de facto OSR standard now, I think, of rolling under an ability score. Kept that. It works for everyone as far as I can tell. Also I've kept the terminology like armor class and hit points. So the goal is, you know, having a at least a familiar lexicon. There are a couple of major changes to the damage system which make the game more survivable. So instead of hit points there's there's kind of this system of wound levels that uh wounds are taken up by fatigue or injury and, and some of these heal more quickly than others but the upshot is that pieces should be able to survive a few encounters with low level mooks certainly won't be taken out by a single unlucky hit the things that are really different are around leveling up so basically humans people don't level up their power increases by the allegiances they have with the higher demons which are measured in a thing called Elan, a sort of experience points with the higher power you're pledged to. Um, Elan goes up as a consequence of using magic. So it's entirely up to the player whether they want to increase their magical experience. But um, crucially, this increases a double-edged sword because the more you're in hock to your patrons, the more it will cause problems socially with your reputation or legend. This is always the baseline. Humans don't advance. It's the humans' demons that advance. Now, the most important thing of this system is that it should be possible to play someone who's got nothing to do with magic alongside a very powerful but also corrupted sorcerer and have just as much fun in a game. So, you know, every Elric needs a Moonglum. Talking about characters then, the, the human side of the character doesn't level up, but they start off already plenty competent. And each PC has three backgrounds and, and you get these by basically tagging an ability score and then writing a three-form descriptive tag for your, your childhood what you did after leaving home, and um, something specific and interesting about your ancestry. You know, this, this system is broad enough that it can include professions, tribal skills, aspects of your race, which could be mundane or as magical as you like, and, and so on and so forth. And the idea is you use these tags to negotiate advantages in play. So you tag dexterity with Thieves Guild, and that means you could negotiate an advantage in play in thiefy type endeavours like, you know, sneaking and lockpicking. 
This was inspired by two games, which I do recommend you check out. First, there's the the game White Hack by Christian Merston, which tags ability scores with groups. And then there's Beyond the Wall, which is a sort of playbook format for quick character generation. And these playbooks, the format is generally childhood experiences plus the person you grew into and the trappings that the skills and um, abilities that you acquired as a result of those uh, those experiences um, and like beyond the wall each background gives you these trappings connection to non-player characters a homeland and other things that help the group at the table dynamically build the world based on their own characters so it works for the young kingdoms but it could also work for your own fantasy campaign. Obviously, I've written these as uh, you know free form to give maximum flexibility, but I've also written a set of random tables in the appendix of the current document, which is just for the Young Kingdoms. So that should give you a nice quick start. And you can do random ability score generation, or you can assign points, however you like. Now, as far as the base mechanics go, it's a roll-under system, and there's not a lot more to it than that. But it's uh, important that um, in combat, it's always the PCs making the rolls, which is something that kind of comes from Powered by the Apocalypse uh, in, in terms of the players are always making the rolls. But in this case, the Black Hat deserves some credit for bringing this concept into the OSR sphere. And... Combat is designed to favour the PCs and fights against weak opponents should be quick to be resolved. Um, but much like Moorcock and Howard, it's the weight of numbers and like waves of enemies that make things dangerous. And the other thing I've done in the combat section, most of which should be fairly familiar, is um, this advanced combat layer. It doesn't replace the base mechanics, it's a layer over them, and it revolves around a set of six stances, one per ability score. Three of these stances are about attacking and the other three are about doing other things in combat and they're designed to go on cards which you could actually put in front of you on the table so at the start of a combat each player picks a stance for their pc which could be a direct attack or they could say i'm hiding and then attacking by surprise or i'm talking to the enemy or i'm doing something else in the environment and each of these stances is basically a set of assumptions about what the character will do when that is their overall aim and you can choose to change your stance each round, although there might be some limitations on what you can choose. And mechanically on the table, they serve a few different purposes. One of them is, as I said, to make what you're doing more visible to the other players. So everyone can act more like a unit and you can all participate in the combat together as a party. Um, the other thing is, you know, heading off any arguments where the players say, oh, actually, that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, because you know, you've, you've got it sort of down on the table and it says these are the assumptions about what your character is doing and this is what you are likely to do in response to what the monsters do. And uh, th as I said, there's a nod to the Power by the Apocalypse system with its credo of if you choose to do something, you commit to it and then you abide by the consequences. At the same time, this layer is entirely optional. So if it doesn't sound like your bag, that's fine. And then the other subsystem is, of course, magic. And this is the biggest departure from the OSR, you know, memorized spells kind of uh, format. There are six demon realms, which are a kind of macrocosmic version of the six ability scores, which are arranged in a wheel on the character sheet. So when you pledge allegiance to a supernatural patron, you basically tag 
that part of your ability score wheel with their demonic influence. And as your elan goes up, they infect more of the wheel, whilst also bestowing more magic dice on your PC. Each realm determines the kinds of things you can do with your magic. Now, there are a number of different formats to the magic. The, the sort of low-level spell-like format is glyphs or runes, which are one-use magical inscriptions. But more common and in keeping with the original Stormbringer game, most magic is via magical proxies like demons or elementals. And each realm has a different kind of demon and therefore a kind of magical power that it can apply. So, for example, demons of knowledge are linked to the realm of voyance, which maps onto wisdom. And uh, demons of combat are linked to the realm of puissance, which maps onto strength and so on. Now, when you conjure a demon, you commit some of your magic dice to them. And that means these dice can't then be used for your other spells. They're on the demon that you've conjured. But... The demon then gets to use those dice in discharging whatever duties you ask of it. At the highest level, there's a high-level demon summoning called court demons, which are usually short-term summonings because they're so taxing. But these are actual individual unique demons that could become non-player characters in future sessions. And uh, I'd encourage the playgroup to write down their grimoire of all the spells they've done. Because this is, again, it's supposed to be a freeform system. There are no prescribed spells. There's just ranges of effects that they can do. So um, spells, glyphs, demons, they're unique to the sorcerer. The last thing I want to mention is angst. Uh, and this is a measure of existential dread. And it goes up for various ingrained reasons, like uh, setbacks, foreshadowings. Uh, it also goes up if you've got a lot of demons on the go. And mostly it doesn't do anything, but if you make a saving throw and you're successful, but you don't get higher than your angst score, it might have some effects like highlighting one of your corrupted backgrounds so that it comes into play in a bit, or causing a deep wound to fester, or, um, or possibly even doing a couple of other things, you know, visiting bad luck on the party, negating a role by one of your companions or something like that. Uh, kind of what you might call trendy, I suppose. Um, of course, the, the bad effects, they're entirely optional. Uh, I'm sure that some groups won't really approve, for example, of negating a successful role. Um, but, you know, I plan to try it out and see which ones work anyway. Anyway, that's the rundown of the system. If you want to read it, it's on itch, uh, and I'll link it in the show notes. Free to download, it's OGL. While we're here, given that it is the new year, I want to just set up the stall for this year. Um, so I've got a number of things that I'm planning to read. One is uh, the ongoing Moorcock reread. The next one in the cycle is Corum, so that's the Night Queen and King of Swords. Um, I also fancy reading some Clark Ashton Smith that I've not dipped into yet. I'd like to cover some comics as well. So um, I've got my eye on Profit by Brandon Graham, which is, um, that's the re-energised one. Because this is, Profit is a character from, I think it's like either the 80s or the 90s. But it was in 2012 that uh, the first collected new collection, which is called Remission, was collected. There's also The Filth by Grant Morrison or some other Grant Morrison stuff. Um, plan to reread the Anubis Gates. Uh, also, I want to read a bit more diverse fiction, quite frankly, because my my reading my library is a bit of a sausage fest. So, um, fancy uh, fancy definitely reading The Sparrow by Mary Dor Russell this year. Um, and there's a number of things which uh, I have taken good recommendations from various people. Um, there's uh, Marge Piercy, Woodland on the Edge of Time. There's um, uh, 
there's the Wayward Children, there's M.K. Jemison, there's a few other great authors. I don't know if I'll get to cover all of these in episodes, but um, I'm going to try and uh, read a bit more widely than I have in the past as well. But anyway, that's it for this episode. Short one. Happy New Year. Hope everyone stays safe. And um, I'll look forward to talking about books in the near future. Music for this episode is, as always, by Chris Zabriskie. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.